Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Thank you for being here. And I just want to start by saying that, that, is, that you took the time from your week, from your morning, to, to come here, to be in the presence of God. That means a lot. And I want to say that God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And you can just rest and be aware that He is here. Um, so we are just jumping into Romans. We're looking at Romans 8. What a beautiful chapter. What an amazing chapter. From a dramatic, beautiful letter, letter to the Romans is it's dramatic, it's heavy, it's light, it's dramatic, it's beautiful, it's life-changing. Uh, it's so easy for us, even for us now, to, to fall into the kind of trap of self-improvement or uh, self-help kind of lifestyle, even when we think about the Bible, even when we think about uh, church. It's so easy to just kind of, this is the new thing, I need to follow that, or I need to listen to that podcast or what you kids call it these days, uh, or this preacher, or, or this is the new thing happening right now. It can be quite daunting to kind of just follow all that. And then you have the letters to the Romans that kind of flips it all upside down and just kind of speaks and takes us step by step through why are you here and why did Christ have to come? And it does it so brilliantly and you can follow yourself like why did Jesus die and what does it mean that you died with him and you don't longer live and now you live a new life with Christ and I just love I love the letter to the Romans it's not about improving yourself as a Christian it's about seeing like this is what God has done so for me it's not just an inspiration like wow cool letter it's I guess the truth that I see in, in, for instance, the letter to the Romans are why I feel like I don't struggle with my... I, I can struggle in life and things can be thrown against me, but I don't struggle in my relationship with God because He has accepted me. I am a new creation. I don't feel... That's, I don't feel the need to prove myself to God or I don't feel the need to prove myself to people around because I know who I am now. I can struggle with lots of things. Believe you me, but the truth here has given me such a, a piece of who I am. That's why I love the fact that we look a little bit at the Romans. Uh, yeah. The central theme that Matthew has been preaching on and Crystal has been preaching on is from Romans 8. 1 to 7, that's the verses we have been looking at uh, about life in the Spirit. And by the way, I think the title for my message today is Hope in the Spirit. Uh, that's what the passage takes us to today. But the central theme is the Holy Spirit from verse 8 to 17. Believers has, have received the Spirit. You are made alive you, are, you died with Christ, and now you live with Christ. <laughs> That's the kind of the, the theme. Um, 
There is no condemnation. You are free. As God's children, you are joint heirs with Christ. You live by the Spirit, not by the law or the flesh. And the verse 17 kind of gets to the climax where it says, where Paul tells the Romans that you are heirs with Christ, like Christelle preached about, and you will be glorified with Christ. This is where I pick up. And then he kind of throws in this word, in this amazing, like, so he, then he starts talking about sufferings. And boom, like we were, it was going so well. It was such a, this is who you are. This is what, I've, what God is doing, doing. This is your position, your identity. And then he starts talking about suffering. Um, and I love that. I, I don't love suffering. <laughs> That's a different thing. But I love the fact that in the midst of this, God or Paul starts writing about suffering and hope in suffering. Uh, I'm going to tell you why I just love that, that in this kind of focus that comes up. I'm going to do just a little sidetrack to a simple point. Like in my uh, job as a therapist, when I'm sitting with someone, and by the way, everyone should sometimes talk to someone just to get things cleared out. So it's a very normal thing to do. But when I sit talk with someone and, and they try to explain like just kind of how things are feeling and they start talking about the near the people around them. That could be like friends or co-workers or, or, or spouses or I would say that nine out of, out of ten says something like this. They say like I wish when I try to explain what I'm going through. I wish that this person, friend or spouse, or I wish that they would just look at me and say, wow, that sucks, that sounds terrible. And kind of, that's it. I just wish that they would just, instead of asking me, how are you doing, where, 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 what's the next step, or coming up with advices, and have you tried this, have you tried this? I wish they could just see what I'm trying to sell tell them <laughs> and just like I, I remember once said I wish someone could just tell me like wow that sounds terrible let's just have a coffee and that's kind of stop with there and my point by saying this is there is a very deep uh, f um, need in us in me in us to just be validated to just be seen for what we actually go through and to be able to just look at someone and say, like, wow, that sounds actually, that sounds terrible. I'm here, I'm listening, but I don't know how to solve this, but I'm here. This, that goes a long way for a person just to be seen and be validated. So why do I talk about this? This is why I love that in this powerful chapter 8, talk about who we are, things that have set me free. He also speaks about, he validates life could suck. Life can be hard. Life is hard. We don't have a God who pretends or that we need to pretend that everything is great all the time. We don't have a God and we don't have a Bible that just sweeps things under the rug and just, yeah, just pretend everything is great. Everything will be great. Um, Two-thirds of the Psalms, the, 
book in the Bible that I see as a school of prayer. Two-thirds of the Psalms just teach us that, like unfiltered, like, God, I'm going through this. This is happening and just pouring out. And if, if God didn't want us to acknowledge that, if God kind of wanted us just to be perfect and just kind of keep it under, keep it, keep it in, we wouldn't have the Psalms. There's even a book called The Lamentations. Think about that. Uh, so all I want to say with that is I love the fact that in the midst of this, God acknowledged you go through things. Things are hard. And my theme today is hope in the Holy Spirit. It's very much to live with the Holy Spirit. And we see that Paul, he connects hope and the Holy Spirit very closely. And we're going to look at that. We can even see that in Romans 5. He, he does the same thing. He talks about hope, port, and he connects it with the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to do something. I'm, I want to speak about hope. I need to, to talk a little bit about the word hope. Because that's the word that we use a lot. And it's, a lo it's, it's heavily used in the Bible. But we, I, I want us, so I'm actually going to give that some time. We must understand how God's word actually defines the word hope. We need to understand the biblical definition of hope. Um, I preached on this. I think it could be Christmas 2020. And I can, as you all would remember, of course, uh, for you who listen, everyone is nodding. Some people are tearing up thinking about the message I had, Christmas 2020. So I'm just going to, some of you have heard this, but I, we must understand when we, the entire message today is about hope. And the entire chapter uh, here is about hope. The distinctive meaning of hope in the Bible is almost the opposite of how we use it in our daily language. And we, that's important when we talk about hope in the Bible. If you Google hope, it's like a feel, like in our, like the worldly definition, a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Want something to happen. A wish for something. And it could even be like the strength of the specific hope is measured in the person's desire for that thing to happen. So if you have really hope something happen, it might happen. It's up to you. And we use the word like in the worldly sense or in our everyday life. Uh, we hope we don't get sick. We hope we get that job. We hope we can pay our bills. It's almost like wishful thinking. No, I I hope that happens. Uh, hope in the Bible is, it can even be like a, a, a child going to sleep and saying like, I hope mom gets home in time before I fall asleep. So it's actually, it, the hope part, it, 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 um, it speaks uncertainty the way we often use it. I hope that happens. I don't know, but I hope so. It's far away from the Bible what the Bible means by hope. The distinctive meaning of hope from the Old Testament, how it's used in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Uh, the root kava is, the root is trust. 
You could even say like faith is a strong confidence in something that will happen. Hope is a strong confidence in future tense. It's extremely different from how we use the word hope. Hope in biblical meaning is this will happen. The world's definition of hope is, I, the way we usually, is, could be weak. It could maybe, maybe not. It's not a solid word. It's not grounded. It's like a boat drifting on an ocean. You know, it could be taken by the waves. It could be still. You don't know. You just, I hope that happens. That would be great. I wish that happened. To make that boat grounded, not chased by the wind, something heavy keeps the boat secure. Can you guess what that will be? Like a heavy thing that would actually keep the boat at place. Yes, that's an anchor. An anchor, not on the boat, because then it's just floating. Something needs to be outside of the boat, heavy, keeping everything in place. That's an anchor. This is the opposite of the uncertainty of the boat floating around. Funny thing that I should mention anchor, because anchor is how the Bible def defines the word hope. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So all I wanted to say with that is, every time you read in the Bible about hope for something, this is the definition. It's firm, it's secure, it's not wishful thinking, it's not maybe, it's something that is solid. So then I wanted to make that because our theme today is hope in suffering, you could call it, or hope in the spirit. We're going to look at Romans 18 to 30 or 29 or 28. I feel that God is specifically leading me to verse 26, 27, and 28. So we're going to spend a little bit more focus and just briefly look at the verses leading up to those. Uh, if you picture Romans 8 as a street and the houses down the street are like the Bible verses, like you have house number 18, verse 18, 19, 20, we're going to walk down that street and we're just going to go up to the windows of the first houses. We're going to just look a little bit into like verse eight, 18, 19. We're just going to look a little bit. You get a sense of what's going on in there. But we're not staying there. We're just going to go quickly. And then we're going to stay a little bit more in house number 26. We're going to see of how, God, how Paul uses the big picture in the beginning to speak of hope, to speak of God in control, zooms out, and we're going to see how he zooms in where you are right now, in this room right here. We're going to look mostly about the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and a little bit about in all things God works for good for those who love him. So if we get up like verse 18 to 21, I'm just going to quickly mention that. So I'm just continuing from last Sunday. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, 
not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from his bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Like I said, we're just looking in the window quickly. The use the word waits in eager expectation. The, the whole creation, the whole cosmos is waiting in eager expectation. Very strong word used here and once in the letter to the Philipp yeah, yes, the Philippine, Philippians. And it means like when you stand like this and just stretch your neck trying to see something, trying to like eagerly await something that is coming. It actually says like the creation. What, what I want to do with this verse is just to zoom out. Look at least like a Google Earth zoom thing, if that is a thing. Just <laughs> to zoom out your street, your country, and then you see the entire world. Like this is a big picture talking. Creation and humanity are kind of bound together. When men fall, when man fall, the man's fall also resulted in creation's fall. Interesting. Could maybe even say like the nature and creation today is not what it was created to be, and it, even that eagerly awaits redemption. So the only point I want to make is that Paul connects God's hope that he is in control to the final redemption of everything, of the big picture. Together with the glory of his, his children, the nature is eagerly awaiting. I'm just going to continue walking down the street to pass by verse 22, 25. We know that the whole creation has been groaning and is in pain of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we will wait for it patiently. A quick comment on that. You know, it, it's, it just mentioned our salvation as well, you know, our adoption. And I would say, like, when you got saved, like when, what Christelle spoke about, like when you got saved, that moment you, uh, God adopted you as his son and his daughter. Um, Everything fell into place there. Everything. Our son Samuel is adopted. The moment the judge in South Africa kind of signed off on the adoption, the moment that happened, he was 100% our son. Everything. like He was not like uh, just like a son. He is our son. It's not even, there's not even a thought about something else. He didn't have to prove himself from that. He doesn't have to be, am I really his, are their son or not? Now, 100%, boom, in that moment, he's our son. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, there's no need for you to feel like, ah, is it really? You don't have to do that because it's adoption. That's like the first phase when we, when we accept Jesus. You are his. You are adopted. It's finished. It's, that's why the Roman, I love it. It's so clear. 
There's a second phase, not a step, but just a phase we go through after that. That is like the progressive part when you're still adopted, you're still his son, but God is working on you to just make you a little bit more like Jesus uh, and me as well. Uh, and the third phase, I would say, is the eternal glorification in heaven. Why I say this is when Paul says, like, we wait for the adoption and we wait for the redemption, he doesn't say you wait to be God's children because you are that. But the final redemption, when everything is in place, that's still awaiting us. And it's crystal clear, like, everything is how it's supposed to be right now. So we just looked at <laughs> very quickly at verse 8 to 18 to 24. If this makes, makes you feel like, wow, there's so much more here, that would be amazing. Because then you could go home, find your time, and just spend time with this amazing chapter. Then my work is done if you do that. So we've been looking at this zooming up, zooming out, and see everything in the big picture. God is in control of the entire cosmos. He... When we speak of hope, it's not maybe, it's he will redeem everything. He is in control. That brings hope as well for me in my situation. Does this mean that you should just look at the big picture and you shouldn't be so worried about everything going on down here? I don't think so. So now we are actually zooming in again in this Amazing metaphor of mine. Now you are, we are zooming in again and zooming in at your life. We are going up to verse 26. We are taking off our shoes. We are going in the house and just look around a little bit more. And now he speaks. Now everything is about you. What are you sitting with right now? And I do believe that the Holy Spirit is here and the Holy Spirit is aware of where we are right now. So this is for you. Verse 26, let's just keep that up. And we are talking about hope in the Spirit, life in the Spirit. In the same way, I think that also reflects to with same certainty as this huge picture, like every, the dramatic picture. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. This, my friends, I just pray one second. God, help us to see this. Help us to see this in our situation here and now. And the context here is hope in suffering. And he connects hope to Holy Spirit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We want so much to be in control of everything. We, we really want to know. Now I'm talking about us in our daily life. We want to know what's going on. What am I supposed to do with this? And how, how am I going to pray for this? God, what is your will? And sometimes we really want the other the other people to think that we know, like, yeah, I, I know God is doing this, or we really want to know, have you, though, ever felt like you do not know 
what is going on? Have you ever felt like you don't know what is the way? What am I supposed to pray in this situation? What's actually, do you, can you recognize that? It could be a challenge. That could be a situation. You can even look around and see like, ah, it seems like everyone else knows. Like, hey, this is what they are going to do. Everyone knows everything, but I just feel lost in this. And it couldn't even be in church setting, like, whoa, they seem to be super aware. This is God's, uh, yeah. Yes. But you sometimes just feel lost. You don't even know how to approach this challenge in front of you. You just don't know. And here, he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And the word weakness here... The Greek word could, and it does, include the weakness of um, emotions, body, and spirit. But however, how it is used here specifically is the weakness in knowing and understanding the will of God. You know, that feeling when I don't know what is is God, what, what is he doing right now? What's the purpose of this? Why is this happening? That's actually what Paul, so, so now you understand we have zoomed in from the universe until to our thoughts, like when we do not know what is the will, what is God's next step here. When you don't know how to pray, or you don't know the will of God in this situation, there the Holy Spirit is close, according to this There he is. We're talking about life in the spirit. It says, there, when you don't know, there the Holy Spirit is. And life is messy. Life could be hard. Life could be wonderful. It could also be confusing. And sometimes we don't even know what's going on or what to pray for. Helps us, the word helps us, spirit helps us, is literally meaning keeps helping us. It's a present tense word, not might help or if you hope enough, you you might help. No, it's he keeps helping us, that's the Holy Spirit. Um, And the idea of this word, how it is used here and otherwise in the New Testament, is the idea of someone... Think about the Holy Spirit that you have, by the way, as when you believe in Christ. We all have the Holy Spirit as a seal. So you have the Holy Spirit when you believe Jesus. Think about something help, that helps someone else carrying a heavy load. That's the, that's the definition, how it's used in this verse. Like someone coming up alongside of you, helping you carry something that is too heavy for you. That's the Holy Spirit. The idea is that someone comes to give assistance by sharing a load. So it's actually the word is saying the Holy Spirit comes to the aid of believers in prayer. You, by coming alongside of you to help you carry something that is too heavy for you. Not when you have mustered up enough faith. It's actually the opposite, when you don't even know what to do. It says he comes up beside you and help you carry and then we remember of course the word Jesus used 
when he describes the Holy Spirit in John 14, he says, it's he even said, it's better that I leave so you can get the helper, parakletos, in John 14. So Jesus' own words is the helper, and the word he used is the same thing, describing someone who comes up beside you. I picture it me walking around and someone just comes up alongside of me, put their arms around me and just keep walking with me in that moment. That's uh, actually the image Jesus used when he describes the helper, the Holy Spirit. It's being with you and in you. So in this passage, in this uh, chapter, we see that the Holy Spirit's job and passion is to come to you and pray with you, for you, when you don't even know what to think or pray. And he says, with wordless groans, praying, taking what is in you and praying that and present that to God, to, to the Father. It's quite amazing. Like here we have the Holy Spirit interceding for you all the time in your weakness. It says in your weakness, not in your Wow, in your weakness. And later in verse 34, it even says that Jesus Christ is on the right side and he intercedes for you as well. Wow. Two you have the Holy Spirit intercedes when you don't know what to say. He does it. And then you have Jesus Christ on the throne interceding for you. And if you're a member of the church, you will even have Francis and his prayer team interceding for you. <laughs> Just to kind of put that in perspective. So, Spirit, Holy Spirit, life in the Spirit, the Helper, keeps help praying for you right now. Even when you right now do not know what is going on. What am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to do? God, what am I supposed to pray? And now we are not talking cosmos, creation, Humanity. Now we are talking about your thoughts and your doubts and anxieties lying in your bed at night trying to sleep. This is how close Paul zooms in here. You and me in our weakness. When we're trying to sleep, when we are sitting with our, you're sitting with your kid and you just feel like, ah. I don't know. You don't even have words. Those are the moments. Uh, when you are talking on the phone with someone and you just feel like, ah, I don't know. When you are sitting in front of the TV watching rerun number 300 of Friends just to kind of get your thoughts to rest a little bit. Just to get the storm rested for that moment. Those, th this is what we are talking about. So, do you see how God acknowledges suffering and how he gets into deeper things that we are able to grasp? He is in control of the creation, his promises. And then he zooms in all the way to this when we don't even know what's going on. The parent moment you wish no one would see, like when, uh, why did I really say that? Those moments. Verse 27, expanding on just how the Spirit helps. And, 
and just giving us a better understanding of the life in the Spirit. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in according to the will of God. Here's also from, he's described like this in John 16 and in 1 Corinthians 3. He takes, the Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine, says God here. He will take from what is mine and he will make that known to you. And also in other places, it says in, in Corinthians 3, we have received the Spirit from God that we may understand why God is giving us. So you have the treasure, the deep in God that we need, the grace, the healing, the fatherness, everything. And you have us and the Holy Spirit's working all the time, trying to take whatever it is from God that you would need right now in a way that you would understand it. And then you get, the Holy Spirit comes to you and you don't even know what to pray. You know I'm supposed to pray something. or And he takes that and he brings that to God. That's the Holy Spirit's working. Uh, Sama, my wife, always says, the Holy Spirit is like a good host when you come visit someone. He kind of meets you up, and he takes you by the hand and shows you the house. Like, this is the room where we have food. This is the kitchen. Here you have that area, and kind of just the Holy Spirit knows how to work things out. So that is what you have right now, that Holy Spirit who works things out and keeps working, keeps helping in, in your weakness. We're going to just look at one more verse uh, with this as a context. It's a very familiar word. We're talking life in the Spirit, hope in the Spirit, hope in suffering. Verse 28 And we know, Paul is just continuing, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It almost hurts me a little bit because I am not going to do this verse justice at all because I'm just mentioning it now. But I will say something. Look at this verse in the context. God is talking taking all of creation, even the broken stuff, and he is renewing everything and redeeming everything. This is the lens to see this verse through. He is in control. He has a plan and a purpose, and nothing can change that. Hope means this will happen. This is an extraordinary and profound passage. Yet many of us, many Christians, throw it around callously. Uh, this verse is not meant to minimize the suffering that one person goes through. Nor does it mean that everything that happens in your life is good because you believe in God. If you would come to me and say, you know, I've been, I don't know what's, I don't know why, but this is happening. I'm struggling. I'm suffering. I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's, it's difficult for me. If I then would just say to you, oh, well, well. All things are good, works for good for those who believe in God. If I would just throw that in your face, you would probably feel like, whoa, that's, so I'm not even, I'm not going to speak about my issues ever again because I should just believe, I should just have the focus. 
this is not welcome here. And we see that that's not the point in the Bible at all. To belittle a challenge, a trial, and a suffering, or to pretend everything is great, just to sweep it under the rug, everything is good, that is not biblical as we started with. It's, actually, it's not biblical. Just suck it up. You know, just God is good, everything. You know, that's not biblical. In the Bible, we see that people experience stuff. They feel it. They cry out to God, and they invite God into it. And us, it's not biblical to just keep it for yourself either, but to actually give room. That's why we have all this uh, in the Bible. And I have been around long enough in churches to actually know that a lot of us in this room knows what I'm talking about. To just use this word of, let's just get over it. This word does not say all things that happen is good because you believe. It says when something happens to you, God will be able to use even that. Because when the word of God says all things, it, it means all things, all kinds of things. So all things that comes thrown your way even though they might not even be of God. They might be evil. They might be from a fallen world. All things are not good, but God will be able to use those things. And he starts by saying, we know. It's a stark contrast to the words in what we looked at, like, we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what, the, what is the will of God. This is a contrast, but this we know. We know that God. So Romans 8, 28. Oh, the band can also come up if you want to. Uh, Romans 8, 28. In this context, assures us that no suffering is wasted. And God is always at work for our good and, and his glory. When we cannot comprehend while trials come, why, why we struggle, and when we struggle to imagine that anything good can come from this, we can rest in the security that God is in control. And that the Spirit, the Helper, intercedes when we don't even know how or why. God is in control. He's making the sum of it all greater than the specific part, the affliction. He is outside of our timeline. He has the whole picture. Sometimes we can be like a five-year-old, like my purpose, you know, this job is according to, it must be right because I feel I want that job or I want that healing now. Because it feels like that's the purpose. But God works everything through his purpose. And his purpose are often and always deeper and more beautiful. But he is still in control. He works it together, whatever comes your way. It's the working together that is the beautiful of this part, I think. And just let me tell you this. That when you... 
go through things, you do not have to look at it as a good thing. You don't have to see this, oh, this is good, it will be good. You don't have to do that. Because there are times when you don't know that. And you don't even have to understand everything. But understand this, that God is in control. He is working in the big picture of things. He is working. He will, hope will have its way. It will be redeemed. You will be redeemed in the big picture. And in the small picture, when you don't even understand God is working, the Holy Spirit is there with you. He will make the sum of it all. So if you're comfortable, I'm just going to, if you want, you don't have to do that. You can close your eyes and just listen to the last part I want to say. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. I just want to say that as a summary. God who made you a new person, made you alive and an heir to his glory without any condemnation. God who is in control of the entire universe. He is here by his spirit. He's with you now. Even when you do not understand why this happened. Even if it's not good. The Holy Spirit will pray for you with groans without words. He is in control. And he is able to take this that makes no sense. And he's able to hold you. You do not have to put on an act. He sees you. He weeps with you. He even expects you to be weak and fragile in his presence. He expects you to come undone, to cry out like the psalmist shows us. Don't belittle what you go through. Allow his work. He is actively working his beautiful plan for his purpose in you right now. Rest in that. All things may not be good, but God can and will use all things for good. That is hope in the Spirit. I'm going to leave you with that. Thanks.